everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we have another really fun twofer. This one makes a lot of sense to me. We're talking to members of two classic rock bands that are tied to at the hip for the rest of eternity. Don Powell, drummer of Slade, and Chuck Wright, bassist for Quiet Riot. I think everybody knows why these two are together. Come on, feel the noise. I'll tell you more about Chuck later. We're going to start it off with uh, Don and Slade. First of all, Don is just about the nicest guy in the world. I loved talking to him. We get into the whole thing about Slade. I mean, I think as most people know, they were, I believe, the highest selling art British artist in the UK in the 70s. And yet none of that translated to the US. The only thing that ever really got any ground over here was this, Run Runaway, which was a response to Quiet Riot's success with their with their covers. So I don't know why Slade never made it big over here, and they should have. They're never even really played on classic rock, and yet they are one of the greatest rock bands ever. Don is such a nice, humble guy. He has a, last year he put out a new solo album. <laughs> Get this, it's called Don Powell's Occasional Flames, which you probably, if you know anything about Slade, you know that they had their movie that came out in the 70s was called Slade and Flame. That's why they call it, that's why his album's called that. The album is called Just My Cup of Tea. And it's really fun because it's a project that he does with a couple of his buddies. And it almost sounds like what it is. Older rock and rollers hanging out at the pub, swapping funny stories and clever anecdotes and just talking about getting old and being in the game. It's so fun. So we talk about that as well. Anyway. I really, really love this conversation with Don. He was so sweet. And I hope, if only, if you only know a couple of songs by Slade or have never really dug in, there is so much to learn about because the band is amazing. And I feel like with Naughty Holder having gone on rock on tours lately, or recently, that maybe the profile's starting to rise a little bit. I mean, Naughty can retire because he's got plenty of Christmas song money, but that's not necessarily the case for Dave and Don. And uh, so, and there's an interesting story there too. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this. I loved it. He called me from his home in Denmark. So, for starters, as a 49-year-old American, you can probably imagine what my introduction to Slade was, which was the Run Runaway video in okay. 1984. That was and a lot. That it what's I mean, you I'm sure you know this and hear this all the time. I had no history with Slade up to that point. I didn't know who Slade was. I'm an 11 year old American boy. I just love the video I'm seeing on MTV. Now, I had, of course, heard uh, uh, Come on, Feel the Noise from Quiet Riot the year before because uh -huh. it was a gigantic hit. But it didn't. I then I started to make the connections. Oh, here's the band. So what I've always wondered, and I'm sure, was the, was that 1984 American breakthrough, did that finally happen because Quiet Riot had opened the doors to Slade in America finally? For sure, for sure, John, that was it. I mean, we toured America so many times in the 70s, and uh, nothing ever happened for us, John. Uh, I can't believe this. I can't believe that. You know, it, it's incredible, you know, John. We released Come On, Feel the Noise, 1973, 1974 in the States, and it never saw the light of day. 
probably released released quite a few um, few singles there. They never did anything, and we did so many tours there. Our first tour was fantastic. It was like supporting Humble Pie, you know, with Steve Marriott. Mm, yeah. What a great tour that was. And also, some they were obviously top of the bill. And sometimes it was um, Peter Frampton's mm. who was second on the bill and caused that live album just sort yes. of ripped the place apart, yes. really. Yes. And yes. Um, I, I've, I've just found out, I must tell you this story, I've just found out, and I've got, I've got the proof now on a poster, when the Eagles supported Slade. <laughs> really? Ooh, wow. Can you imagine that? No, the, no. The, opening, the, opening, the opening act was Billy Preston. Really? Ooh. Yeah, and and then, it, then it was Steely Dan. <laughs> and, and, then, and then the then the Eagles. I remember standing on the side of the stage watching the Eagles, and I thought, I don't believe this. We've we've got to go on after these. You know? <laughs> they've been they've been my favourite band ever since. Really? Yeah, that is been, shocking. It's incredible, wow. eh? I yeah. mean, we actually, I mean, we were on some strange bills in the seventies, John. I mean, I there was the one which was a strange one was supporting Sly and the Family Stone. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <Can you> imagine? <laughs> I, I mean, love can, them. That's crazy. Can, can so, you imagine us supporting no. you? I mean, a great tour that we had as well was with uh, Brownsville Station. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay, I could kind of uh, see that one. And, okay. that, and that was like when smoking in the boys' room was the major yes. hit in the states. Yeah. And um, what about yeah, Kiss? And, uh, it feels like was... every rock band of the '70s opened for Kiss. Did you ever tour or play with Kiss? Many times. That's many what I thought. Times. Yeah. I, I will. I will say. I will compliment uh, Gene Simmons and uh, Paul Stanley. I mean, Gene especially. They always compliment Slade, yes. and they say that uh, that's where the act came from, basically. Mm. And I, I, we met them, you know, obviously a few times when we, when we toured together, mm -hmm. and they said, uh, um, Gene said, well, himself and Paul used to come and watch us at the Academy of Music in, in New York. And, and no they way. Said then, they actually said, oh, we're going to rip that show off and take it <laughs> further. <laughs> and they certainly did. But I could the, uh, see that. You know, when I watch old videos of Slade, something that I'm struck by is that it feels like the audience's participation with the music, yeah. Yeah. like clap your hands and stomp your That's feet, it. and yeah. is as important as the music itself. It's but not necessarily a show that. where people are going to sit back and just hear the hits. They got to get involved. That's well, part of the Slade, you know, mentality. That, that, that was, you're right. That was definitely, uh, that was our, our policy back then. Yeah. But I don't think America was quite ready for it. You know. I've never understood that either. Why do I, you think that is? I've got no idea. Maybe it was the time and people were there for bands like I've just mentioned, Steely Dan, the Eagles. They weren't ready to get up and sort of clap your hands or do whatever. I think there was still the throwback from Vietnam. Everybody was feeling sorry for themselves and things like that, you know. Yeah. And I, I, and uh, we never really had um, the backing of, of, of a big, a big company at the time either. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, we'll put on, like I said, we'll put on some strange bills. <laughs> yeah, but I think what there's a few of the best tours we ever had was like yeah. that one with Humble Pie, the very first time, John, mm -hmm. and then um, 
Brownsville Station, and uh, ZZ Top, would you believe? Oh, okay. Before the beards. Yes, before you the know. beards. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, yeah, but uh, they're, they're, they're a fantastic band. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. They've been over, over you know, I live in Denmark now. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. And I've been to see them quite a few times. And it was great. I must tell you this story. Kiss were, playing, uh, Kiss were playing in Copenhagen. And um, I was dealing with this drum dealer in Seattle. Mm. And we just got talking about uh, different things. And uh, I've talked about Kiss. And uh, he, 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 he knew a contact. And he managed to get me uh, passes for the concert. Mm. And uh, there was myself, my wife, and uh, and the kids, and you know, so it all went along. Yeah. But what? And it was explaining to me the tour manager what they do uh, on this particular tour anyway. About five o'clock in the afternoon, whichever theatre they played in, they did like an unplugged. Really? Yeah. No, no makeup, no costumes. They just did an unplugged, just to about um, twenty people. No way. And 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 I said to uh, I said to that uh, to him, I said, you know, he got, he got me a ticket, you know, in in passing to go to go to the unplugged. Said, but don't tell them I'm here. <laughs> you know? And he says, I think they know you're here. He said, but I said, keep quiet. Anyway, I I stood behind this guy in front of Gene Simmons, so he couldn't see me. Uh-huh. And they were just and they were just uh, they were just jamming, doing some things. Re- really, really a great atmosphere. And then he said, "Any questions?" And and I, and I I leaned behind this guy to face Gene Simmons, and I says, "Are you going to play any Slade songs tonight?" <laughs> and, and he said, "I knew we knew you were here." <laughs> and, and he said, "Paul, look look who's here!" And they started jamming "Run Runaway." Well, uh, no, big really. And I've actually got it on. I think it was on YouTube, John. But oh, I've actually I'll look got for it. And it was fantastic. And we had, we had a great, great, great evening. You know, great, that is great. You know, they're oh, sort of, good. It's just sort of great guys, you know. Yes. And, but when we toured the States in the 70s, it was the original Kiss we played with, with Eric Carr and mm-hmm. um, the guitarist. What, the uh, guitarist? Ace Freely. Yes, yes. Yeah. And a great band. But this band's great as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, mean, I love it, them. I've seen them in it, concerts it's, it's several ev- times. It's everything you ever expect. That's right. You know, I mean, it is. I mean, when their bombs went off on stage, they actually made, they actually made me jump. You know? I believe <laughs> it. I believe it. It's, 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 it's just everything you expect. Yes, it is. It, it was great. Good. I um, So I've had your fellow QSP band members on here in years past. Susie's been okay. on here. Susie Quattro and Adam, or uh, uh, Andy, Andy Scott from Sweet. Andy. Yeah. You got to do another one of those albums, by the way. That album is so good. Would you ever do another one?
we, we, we talk about it because we see each other quite regular. Good. And we said, we looked at him and said, let's, let's do another. Yes. You know, and it's on, it's on the cards. Good, but good. We had, a, we had a great time doing that uh, that CD, uh, John. Yes. We recorded at Peter Gabriel's studio. Oh, really? Real so, world? Yeah, you know, where you actually live there, you eat there, record there. And yeah. there was a great atmosphere we had between us, you know, so we could just sort of record, relax, if you know what yes. I mean. Yes, yes. We could get up when we wanted, go in the studio and, and not labour things. You yes. Know, sort of and it was it was, a, it was a great time, that was. And the, Good. And the album became quite successful, especially in Australia. Really? And, yeah, and huh. we, we, we two were there. You know, sort of. Yeah, um, it was you a, did the QSP band yeah, together. Actually, no yeah, way. The two of that, um, it was great because I mean, Slade have toured there about four or five times before, uh-huh. and we actually finished the tour with QSP at Sydney Opera House, which, oh. which, was, which was fantastic. I mean, nice. Slade never played there, uh-huh. but uh, I, I obviously knew of the venue. Yes. And that's where yes. QSB finished the tour. That is it? great. And it was yeah. great. It was a great tour that was. John. I believe it. I, yeah. I've talked similarly with them. I talked to both of them too about why glam rock from this British glam rock of the 70s never translates to America and no one really has a good idea. I mean, nope. you know, Chitty Chap wrote those early Susie Quattro hits and they're universal. Why can that stuff? And your stuff was obviously done really well by other people. But yeah. not by Slade themselves. I've never understood it. it. Well, it's it's it's. it's well, I think that's a six to four thousand dollar question. It really is. You no, know, it's sort of um, there's certain areas in the stage where we had a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of um, the the Midwest was really good for us, and around St. Louis, around that area, and um, you know, quite a few areas. But it never sort of sort of spread to nationwide. Yeah, yeah that's it. But, but the strange thing is, like, like you said about uh, the Ron Runaway video, that's when MTV started, mm-hmm. and that, that opened all the doors for us. And that's when we got off of the tour with Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah that was a big one, only, right? Yeah, we only did a couple of shows, but Jim Lee, our bass player, he went down with hepatitis. Mm-hmm. So we had to knock the tour on the head, which yeah. was such a shame, because it would have been a great tour for us. What was the – I mean, so f- did – did a label come to you guys and say, guys, because of Quiet Riot, we now have an opportunity yes. here. So yes. was there, when you went into the writing of uh, Keep Your Hands Up My Power Supply, and there's songs like My Oh My and yeah. C'est La Vie.
great, yeah. great power ballads and stuff. Was when when Naughty and Jim are writing the songs, are they thinking we've got to step up our game? We've got the produ- the production needs to be bigger, the songs need to be better. You guys had been in a little bit of a rut up to that yeah. point, yeah. And exactly. then here, so is everyone on board to like this is our big shot, guys, to break America? Let's do our very best. Exactly. Well, we used okay. a, a couple of two big producers. We used Roy Thomas Baker. Oh, really? Yeah, on a, okay. on a few of the tracks, but it was really uh, great to work with. But a, a bit of a um, bit of okay. a tough. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when we had the we did the drums, it, it's arranged that I would go in the studio a, a few days before the rest of the guys. We had mm-hmm. something like thirty-five mics on the kit. <laughs> I mean, the the, the the drums sounded like thunder Whoa. in the studio. But if I played you the cut of the thing, uh-huh. I, I, if I said to you, how long do you think it took to get that drum sound? It it didn't it didn't sort of transmit to uh, to vinyl. I mean, yeah. there's another guy, a guy named John Punter, who did hmm. who did actually did Run Run Away and, okay. and My Oh My. And he was um, a real studio um, producer, really. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was a bit, it was a bit too clean for us. But it, mm-hmm. we we did le- learn a lot from him, John. You know, for, for yeah. the studio, and it, it was great. It was great to work with. But um, yeah, and then when we could, like um, Sharon Osbourne, who was looking after Ozzy, and Ozzy, they're, they're, they're big friends anyway of ours, mm-hmm. and uh, Ozzy used to be my drinking partner, would you believe? <laughs> Ooh, I bet you guys have stories. <laughs> oh, God. I, I if you can stories. remember any of them. Uh, just about. I only remember when Sharon came after us with a shotgun. I so, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Sharon. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> yes. But uh, we got offered that too, which would have been great for us, John. And Sharon actually got us to deal with CBS. Mm. Got us a great deal with CBS. Of course, MTV had started then. Sure. And, and then that was a big opening for us then, John. It was a, a great opening. But yeah. sadly, Jim Lee, uh, Slade's bass player, went down with hepatitis and we had to knock the tour on the head. So yeah, when it comes to, that is sad. When it comes time to do like Rogue's Gallery and you yeah. boys make big noise and all that, was the, were you noticing as you're making those records, label indifference starting to creep in was was there not the same level of enthusiasm because that confuses me because i always think well you've just had a hit with slade yeah now they are a valuable asset to you 
why wouldn't you keep that valuable that asset bringing I, in revenue? But they don't. I, I, I think, um, you know, I have to be quiet. I, I think uh, a bit of the fire had gone out of us. Uh, the John, band or the, the interaction uh, with the label? Uh, a bit of everything, really. Okay, yeah, that makes and, sense. Um, Sort of, I think that's what what spoils it, really. I mean, we have, we have the chat, and I think really because of when we had to knock the uh, the Aussie tour on the head because of Jim Jim's illness. I mean, we all got a bit despondent then, John, and we thought, yeah, it's uh, it's never going to work, is it? You know, sort of thing. And I'm going to be quite honest. I mean, that that's that's where we all felt. We thought. We thought at first this was going to really happen for us in the stage on, on the Aussie tour, you know, mm-hmm. and we had a great sort of um, backing with CBS, mm-hmm. who we signed to, and, uh, and, of course, like MTV was the big thing as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and sadly, you know, because of Jim's illness, it's, it sort of knocked the wind out of our sails a bit, John, and uh, we sort of, yeah, we, we, felt, we felt a bit flattened. Yeah, you know, I get it. That, I get it. You know, you know, it's quite sad, but I'm also remember we had we have been together since 1966. True. And it was sort of we couldn't really. See, I'm going to be quite honest here, John. Mm-hmm. We couldn't really see light at the end of the tunnel anymore. I get it. I get it. You know, I mean, you know. I get it. That's a long ways to go. Was. I get it. It's a shame. Uh, I think all join hands. It's such a great power ballady. That's the thing. You guys never write love songs. They're more like life and love celebration yes. songs. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. I, They're I, really I think, rallying. Yeah, uh, I think more. I don't know if it's the same over there. The, the, the way they class them over in, in, in Europe is more like football songs. There you go. That's like it. That's football the crowd word. songs, if that's that makes it. sense to you. Yes, so They're I, like you know, anthems, you know, these yes. big anthems. Yes. You know, I, mean, I uh, agree. Uh, very much uh, at the uh, football um, stadiums in, in yep. the UK. That's it. Been, the whole crowd the swinging yeah. their arms and yeah, that's they got their arms around their guy sitting next yeah. to them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, okay, let me, I assume, I. you know, there was a BBC documentary on Slade that came, I think it was televised in the late 90s. It's been a while, but in that, Naughty says, you know, I'm asked all the time, are we ever going to reform? And I just say no, and I'm never going to, do it and he's stuck to that and i assume he and jim can do that because they co-wrote the christmas song 
And yeah. that brings in enough money for them to live off of. But you yeah. and Dave are in different situations. Well, yeah, but it, it's still, we've been very lucky sort of uh, with the income all over the years, John, with the back catalogue, if you like. And yeah. uh, so we've been very lucky. And um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, but not uh, not lost interest. I think, well, we all did it away. I think, I think mainly because uh, we never quite, never quite, hit the American market. I mean, I think the 70s was very hard for us in, in America, you know, sort of the different sort of bills that they put us on were, were just not suited to us. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not blaming anybody for sure. the, uh, for the, but, but um, it, 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 it didn't work. It wasn't going to yeah. work. And uh, we thought it would happen when um, Sharon Osbourne uh, managed us in, in the States and, Got us a great deal with CBS and uh, and obviously the um, the the Ozzy Osbourne tour, mm-hmm. you know, which would have been fantastic for us. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but sadly, okay. that let me ask you this: not having been aware of your your career in the seventies, when getting and getting ready to talk to you, I saw it mentioned that you were Slade was the biggest selling British band in England in the seventies. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so when I think of Slade, I think of one of the great rock slash glam metal. I don't metal is probably not the right word, but just rock bands ever. I'm wondering is does Slade get not the respect it deserves? Because is there did in England did were you guys viewed as more like Bay City Rollers or something? No. no. Not not quite. I mean, okay. sort of, because we got we got sort of tagged along with a kind of the the, the glam rock, if you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. You know, because of the costumes and things like okay. that. But we had a great reputation. I mean, uh, we we hadn't we, we're still gigging, we're still doing concert, not just concert, but uh, playing clubs. Sure. And then we got offered the Reading Festival. I don't know whether you're aware of I that. I am totally aware of Reading, yeah. And, uh, but so, strangely enough, we, we got offered that festival because Ozzy Osbourne, we took Ozzy Osbourne's slot uh-huh. because apparently he um, he didn't think his band was ready, so he dropped out. Mm. So we took over his slot. Mm. And we just we just had a great, great gig there. And luckily, the BBC in the UK... They they recorded that concert, mm-hmm. and, and we bought the tapes of them of, of our of our sort of set and uh, re- released like a sort of an extended play, like an EP. I oh, think, cool! Yeah, and, yes. and, it's actually, and it's actually charted. Oh, excellent! Know? It's actually charted, and yeah. and that brought us back to the fore, and then. I think it was a few years later we got offered the big uh, Castle Donington Festival with nice. ACDC AC, top in the bill. There you go. And uh, and that that was another great gig for yeah. us, you know. Yeah. So no, he brought us back like that. But um, um, okay. I, I so what what now in the after after the kind of the mid seventies around the 
in flame movie period, things start to drop off. Do you know why? Because my favorite Slade album is the movie soundtrack album. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's, I, it's the strongest collection of strong songs start to finish to me anyway. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I think maybe, I think maybe people had had enough of us, you know, we, 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 we had, I've got to be quite honest with you, John. I mean, I mean, we had incredible success mm-hmm. in, in, in the beginning of the seventies. I mean, sort of, it was just like, um, we couldn't do any wrong if that's the right thing to say. Mm-hmm. And maybe we sort of, uh, maybe we just forced down people's throats and, uh, but, we, but, we, but we, kept, we kept on touring. We, we, yeah. we, we really enjoyed uh, touring together. Mm-hmm. So we just kept on, just kept on doing it. And, uh, and the, the Slade in Flav album was a great album to make it actually. Mm-hmm. That was the first time we'd actually use the augmented with brass. Yes. On, I, maybe that's why album. I like it. Cause it's, there's just yeah, a wider color, you know, array, a range of colors. Exactly, it's it's a yeah. lot different for us. And yet, yeah. funny enough, John, it was it was the least um, least successful album that we, we ever really? had. It's just I don't I don't know. It's strange. That's there's, weird. There's, there's no no reason for it. You know, no. I mean, we, we we have got I've got no answers for it. <laughs> I mean, but but uh, I think weird. the movie the the movie. I mean, you it was. Uh, Really, the critics, we had great reviews from the critics, mm-hmm. but I think uh, the general public didn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. They, they, they wouldn't sort of separate us from being actors. Yeah. We it wasn't the real slave. Oh, come on. The the Beatles, the Spice Girls, they all get away with it. Why not Slade? Yeah, you know? but, but, but they, they, they used, they, yeah. the Beatles were the Beatles in the True. film. True. The oh, film that's a good point. Okay. And, and, yeah. and the Spice Girls, we were, we, we, we played different characters, different bands. And, and people, people, uh, that they, they won't allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably, they, they won't allow you to, you know. So yeah. it, it did sort of go against us in a way. Yeah, but okay. I'm, I'm still proud. I'm still proud of the film. I'm, I'm glad we did what we did. Good, me too. It's that movie has. Sh- I've seen it a couple of times. It's been years, but it it shows up sometimes on YouTube, and the the accents are a little thick. I'm not. Entirely well, that, sure I understand yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love Slate so much that I watch it. Yeah, I don't care. Um, <laughs> tell me about the recording of How Does It Feel? How does it feel Running around, round, round How does it feel Watching from upside down Cause many years from now There will be new sensations And new temptations How does it feel? How does it feel? Right at the start How does it feel when you are thrown apart? Cause many years from now there will be new emotions And new frustrations How does it feel? That 
is one of the great Slade tracks. Even it, Noel it, Gallagher it, thinks it, that's one of the great Slade a, it, tracks. It, apparently, I mean, uh, Jim Jim Lee, it, it, it was basically his song. Oh, really? Uh, uh, although not not did, did do most of the lyrics, you know. Uh-huh. But, uh, it was it, it was the song he wrote many many years before. I think he actually said to me it was one of the very first songs he ever wrote. Wow. You know, was that you know, but because of like our style or our approach at that particular time, it didn't uh-huh. suit. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, I think it came to the fore again when we got offered the movie, mm. and I thought it would work great as the actual theme, and that's when Nod wrote the, the great lyrics for it. Yeah. Do you are you and Dave ever involved in the songwriting? Are you? I, do you get in there and make? You know, act, yeah, I, act, in in the early days, I I, I was involved a lot because I okay. I, was, uh, I mainly write lyrics. Uh, I'm I'm totally tone deaf. I oh. I I can't sing, right. <laughs> and I only play drums. And um, Jim and myself used to write together. Mm. And for me to try and get across, if I had a melody in my head, it would be totally different than I sang it to Jim. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm totally tone right. deaf. You know? Right, but, uh, that's great. Yeah. But uh, I had great fun writing, actually. I've, I've actually started writing again like, with the occasional flames. Yeah. I started writing again, you know, sort of thing. Um, that was a great album to make. I mean, the three of us, like um, Les and Paul and myself, we, we sort of met by accident, really. I wanted to know, how did this even happen? It, it, it was just... It, it was just Strange because like Slade still have a big following in in the UK mm-hmm. and occasionally not the fan club but just sort of well, I don't know what you want to call it I suppose it, it is like a fan club they have a big gathering oh uh, and uh, sort of and on uh, um, um, Paul and Les uh, appeared and like Paul 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 Cooks is mainly a poet mm-hmm. and he's written some great sort of poems. Um, Aimed at a Slade audience. Oh, and, interesting! Uh, uh, when he wrote the poems, he uh, he was intending them for a Slade audience. Yes. Wow! Uh, interesting. Uh, that, 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 well, I mean, it's, it's crazy some of the things he's written. John. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then um, we just sort of uh, we just sort of made contact just by email because uh, he knew I was writing lyrics as well, and uh, and he mentioned about you know about maybe we could do something together, and he said he had a friend. Who was Les, and uh, I just went. They, they're from the north of England, and uh, I went along. I had a weekend up there, um, and we had a great time together. It's great. This album yeah, is I mean, funny because it it speaks to growing old, as you know. I mean, midlife crisis.
yeah. just my cup of tea. Yeah. All these songs, you know, I won't be playing Wonderwall tonight. Yeah. It sounds like a band who's kind of on the other end of we've had the big peak period of fame and fortune, and now we're just doing something fun for ourselves. That's exactly what it what it was. We had some. I mean, the thing is, th- th- these went down in just a few days. All these tracks. Really? We, yeah, we just we just went in and we just sort of. I think what it was is sort of we had no uh, schedule to keep. We we didn't owe an album to a record company. It wasn't till wasn't as if we had to hand something over quickly. We just sure. went in and and had a great time. And basically. Uh, nearly all the tracks went down in, in less than just under three days, you know. Wild. And, we Wild. In, and what it was, I'll tell you what it was, John. There's no drum machines, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. nothing There's to no, program, no, right? Uh, no, no click tracks, yes. you know, <laughs> <laughs> we just went and played. And, That's great. Uh, you know, sort of, and I think, and I think it actually shows uh, 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 on the on the on the performance, really. Definitely. Yeah. Are you guys going to be able to tour with this, or is it just well, sort of a fun memento? Well, we, there's nothing planned at the moment. What we do, we do a little, a few things, just the three of us together, sort of maybe like sort of um, university things, or or yeah, sort of small things. We do, we do a lot of things at Slay conventions as mm. well. Got you know, it. So, so we'll just see what happens and um, see, okay. you know, I mean, with, with this interest that you've shown, John, sure. who, who, who knows what might happen? Uh, it's so fun. Your side of the pond. You yeah, know. it's so fun. Um, okay, I got to ask one potentially tough question and getting ready to talk to you, like I said. So Dave, you and Dave, I think were out there still touring as Slade for a while. Yeah. And then I read that he fired you over email well, or something. That's a straight, and I've still got, never got the, the right time because I, I had a stroke. Okay. You know, and, uh, and I was just advised not to do anything for a few months. Sure. And, um, he wouldn't wait, and he, he he just sort of decided to go on his own, you know, sort of thing, and uh, got a new lineup, which I'm, and I still never understand why. That's it's, weird. It's, can't he just either? Can't he just get a fill in, temporary fill in drummer? Well, that's what I thought would happen. I thought that's what he was doing at first, and yeah. uh, so I, I I don't know. I don't know the actual answer there, John. I, I I'd like to sort of ask him one day, face to face, why. You know, 
it's uh, now for as long as you, as tight as you guys were, and as long as you guys were together, it sounds like everyone is kind of off doing their own thing. Naughty yeah. and L- yeah. Jim live off yeah. their Christmas yeah. song money, well, and you and Dave are doing your things. Well, the no thing one keeps true, in touch. We, we carried on touring the world together. Yeah, you know, so yeah. we did. We did. I tell you what was great. We did quite a few concerts in in the Soviet Union. Really? Yeah, it was great. I mean, we played the Olympic Stadium in Moscow, and and then we were asked to play at a private party at a, a, a tiny club in Moscow. So I mean, right. we had, had a great time there. But wow. um, that it was fantastic. You know, so yeah. it, it, it's the very first time I've uh, been to Russia, and and we, so it's, it's like you don't realize how big it is. And we, we flew. From Moscow to Vladivostok, you know, which is one country, uh, thirteen hours, oh, <laughs> all in the same country. Yeah, oh that's, 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 that's why flying London, Los Angeles. Yes. Oh my you know, gosh. I, mean, wow. I remember. I remember looking out of my hotel window, um, John. There was the Sea of Japan, the Chinese, the Chinese borders. You know, and uh, you know, it's. Wow. Uh, and the, the the people are different, you know. Yes, sort of, I, yeah, it's for amazing. sure. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't know whether I should get into this political thing, but they were better off under communism. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are some people who feel that way, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, I wanted to throw out another one of my favorite Slade songs, Far, Far Away. I've seen the yellow lights go down the Mississippi I've seen the bridges of the world and they're for real I've had a red light off the wrist without me even getting kissed It still seems so unreal I've seen the morning in the mountains of Alaska I've seen the sunset in the east and in the west I've sang the glory that was Rome and passed the hound of singers home It still seems for the best and I'm far, far away With my head up in the clouds And I'm far, far away With my feet down in the crowds Letting loose around the world But the call of home is loud Still as loud I think Naughty even said, that's your favorite. I think Naughty said it's his favorite too. Do you remember what do you remember about the creation of or the recording of Far Far Away? Well, what it was, I mean, I think to, to me that that it, that, um, that that they sold the song to me it was actually Nod's lyrics because mm-hmm. it was uh, it's about the way when we were just touring the world nonstop. And uh, it, it sort of mentions little sort of incidents throughout throughout the song, you know, and. Uh, I just think it, it it's it's just a complete song. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. it. It's my favorite song. My That's favorite great. Song. Yeah, I love it mainly too. because of Nod's lyrics. Yeah, I yeah. love it too. Okay, I have one. I have kind of an oddity. Also going back, I think it's I think it's the last song on Rogue's Gallery. Here's two. So here's to the new year 
lads and lasses, come raise up your glasses. The party's been rocking all day. Going on a midnight and all of us getting tight. Big Ben is banging away. So Sounds. Do you remember this song? It sounds exactly like Golden Brown by the yeah, Stranglers. I think that, that that actually has been mentioned before, John. Okay, yeah, I didn't know if it. that was on purpose. If uh, I, not not as I'm aware. Well, definitely not when we recorded it. Okay. Okay. And, uh, that was never never in, in, in the equation, but it got mentioned afterwards, like you have just done, John. Yeah. Like, Actually, yes, I wonder, you know, so I know. but that was it was totally unintentional. Yeah, know. okay, okay. I was, I've always yeah. been curious. Um now I wanted to you you've talked before about that car wreck that you were in. I wanted to mention it because that car crash happened five days after I was born. Really? <laughs> yes, I was born five days before your car crash. Now wow. That has nothing uh, to do with me. No. <laughs> as far as I know. No. <laughs> You're innocent. Um, anyway, yeah, that, I mean, we've talked on some things where Slade finally gets some really interesting new momentum going, and then something happens, yeah. like Jim's hepatitis or the, the Aussie dropping the whatever, that sort yeah. of stops the momentum, and that was another one of those times. And I think yeah. I read that you still suffer sometimes from some memory loss. Is that right? Yeah, you still have the amnesia. It, it's a strange thing. Actually, what was great is like um, it was after, after the accident, because I've still, still got no idea what happened in the accident. Oh, oh. I've got no okay. idea. And um, uh, it was it was from from my hometown to where, where I had an apartment just on the outskirts of our hometown, Wolverhampton. And so I, I drove the same road every day basically, and it meant nothing to me. It means nothing to me, John. But when um, with the first two after after the uh, accident, when I came out of hospital and I recouped a bit, and then we went on an American tour. And um, and our agent in New York, he's uh, one of his best friends, is a, a brain specialist, mm. and arranged him to go and see him. And uh, and I was explaining, and our best says, I've I don't remember that. I've got no idea what happened. And he said, you never will. He said the brain has this incredible mechanism that switches off yeah. at the moment of impact, and it'll switch back on again when it's ready. Wow, and, and it's it's amazing, and you know, like I said, I've got no idea what happened, John. It's just it's one. I used I used to drive myself crazy trying to remember. Yeah, the specialist in New York, um, Albert, I remember, Albert Goodgold, his name was, and uh, he said, "Well, you, you'll never remember." He said, "Because it's gone. Your, your brain has switched yeah. that part off." And he said, "Well, what do you want to remember for?" You know, yeah. and I said, "It's it, it's just driving me." mad because I've, yes. I've got no idea what happened you know wow. and, and he says you never will he said the brain is the most complex computer he says and we're all different yeah. he said yeah. it, it's, it's just switches switch itself off and switch itself back on when you felt necessary Crazy. and your and girlfriend said, was in the car and she died she, right she sadly died I yes. mean, but I, I tell you what happened john i mean 
I still don't know what happened anyway. Sort of when it when it did a few minutes after it happened, two nurses have to be going happened happen to be going by on duty to the the, the hospital oh, in, in our hometown. And um, the one the one nurse kept me alive. Sadly, my girlfriend was already dead, and um, the second nurse knocked some people up in, in a nearby house to call a, 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 an emergency thing. Yeah. And there happened to be an ambulance about 100, 150 meters, yards away dealing with a pregnancy. So he was there straight away. Mm. And uh, I was very lucky, John, very, very lucky. Just incredible, really. And the things that the things that you take for granted. Yes. You know, I mean, I have no, uh, I have no sense of smell or taste. Even so, now? Yeah, and that's gone. Really? That's, that's what happened to Michael gone. Hutchins from NXS. Same thing. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, did, he okay. hit his head and lost his... And that's what led to some of like the depression that led to his suicide. Okay, oh, that's yeah. interesting. I've never met anybody yet. That's, uh, interesting. But I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you just take for granted. <laughs> Smell and taste, you know. You yes. And I mean, I'm used to it now. Uh, the only thing that worried me at the start was food poisoning. I wouldn't Ooh. know... You know, yeah. was off. And actually, this 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 specialist in New York, Albert, um, he said, "Full enough, you will know." He said something will trigger. Uh-huh. You know, it's off. You know, but touch wood. You know, that's never happened. But it's amazing how you sort of when the, when Albert Goodgold explained a few things to me, it's nothing really. The smell and taste is nothing. I'm, so- I'm, I'm still alive. You know. Yes, you are. Thank goodness. Now, I have, yeah. I have, I've always wondered this. This is a really dumb question, probably. If you can't smell or taste anything, do you crave foods? And if you crave yes. foods, you yes. crave them for the texture? Because yes. if you can't taste, like, no. do you have a favorite food if you can't taste oh, yeah. I, I, I spaghetti still, or still, steak or I, whatever I, anymore? When, when my wife Hannah said, what would you like for dinner? And I'll say, say like, you know, um, liver and onion or whatever. Uh-huh. Right. I, 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 I still have um, a, a craving for the things that I like before. I mean, I always laugh to myself because I can't, can't taste, taste them. I can't taste it. But the strange thing is, I can taste sugar and salt. Really? But that comes from that's from the uh, the uh, the senses on the tongue. Yes. yes. But I don't I don't take either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that's good. But I must tell you this this funny story, John. Please. There was this uh, Indian restaurant uh, just out uh, in Birmingham, which is about ten miles from my hometown. And we got this Indian restaurant there. And if you can hit, eat this particular dish, which is like apparently. <laughs> just like like rocket fuel. It, it, if it, if you could eat this, you didn't have to pay for it. Yes. You know? and, and so I, get the guy who can't taste anything to eat and, it. And, and, and I got banned from that restaurant because I, I was eat, I was eating for free. Yes. <laughs> you see all see all the waiters watching, looking at me. Right. <laughs> what, what is this guy? I mean, my, my eyes were watering. Believe it. You're sweating and everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't taste it though. Couldn't say, I mean, I, it's funny how I mean, well, explain. I, mean, I, I, I yes. laughed so much to myself, you know. But, That's great. That, That's but, great. I, I, like I said, I got banned from that restaurant. That's so funny. Now, yeah. why do you live in Denmark now? What brought you to I'm, Denmark of all places? I, I, I met my wife here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, like, um, and uh, when we met, um, she she was um, a single mom with, with three children. Mm. 
And um, she was going to move to England, John, but uh, Andreas, the, the boy, he, he was only um, seven at the time and he, he couldn't speak English. I thought, well, I can't bring them to England. I said, he'll, he'll get crucified, you know. Right, right. Well, it's easier for me to move here, John, because, I mean, the world's become a small place today. Yes. I mean, I can get anywhere from this. I've got a choice of three airports that I can use. And there's uh, at least three flights to the UK a day, you know, so I can go to England for the day, if you like, you know, and we, we can go anywhere. I mean, as it happened, my wife, when she was 18, she had a year as a foreign exchange student in, in, oh. in Dallas, in Texas. Okay. And we went there, was it two years ago, for the for the reunion, you know. Oh, so wow. That, that was funny. And her yeah. American family is really funny because... We we were at the, the school reunion and uh-huh. we're just talking, making conversation with the other guys and uh, and then this guy asked me what I did and blah blah, blah talking about you know different things and uh-huh. and then the, my wife's American sister said to the guy, you know that song, come on, feel the noise, and he said to me. You won a quiet riot. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. That's what an American thinks. Yeah, yes. <laughs> of course, everybody just burst and we all just went into a stereo. Right. Of course he did. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, when, when Quiet Riot then comes out and they do Mama, We're All Crazy Now, and they strike it big again with another uh, Slate song, are, are you aware of that? I mean, what? how did your lives change? When you start hearing that Quiet Riot are hitting number one in the States with a couple of your songs... Um, I don't know. Are the, is there suddenly more people contacting you for interviews? Yes. Are you, you know what I mean? Like, is, well, ever, well, is the world kind of opening back up to Slate again? Very much, that's when uh, CBS got interested in us. Um, yeah, all these guys, what happened to these guys? And it happened that they contacted Sharon, Sharon Arden, and Sarah Osborne, and things like that. And that's how that tour yeah. came about and the deal with CBS in the States, you know. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but it's funny when you think of some of these, like, um, there was like Mama's Boys, they did Mama We're All Crazy Now and sort of thing. And yet we released them in the 70s, John, and they never saw the light of you day. Never did you know? Yeah. I mean, you can, there's no reasoning for it. I mean, no. we, we, we never really got radio plays in the no. States. Unless- you still don't. I mean, I was thinking about that, getting ready to talk to you. If you turn, you could listen to a classic rock station for a week and not hear a Slade song on there. It, it, I've, I've, I've got no answer for it, uh, John. Doesn't make any sense. And you know, what's interesting, too, is I'm surprised you guys didn't have more success during the MTV era because Naughty is such a fun entertainer and uh-huh. the hats and with the mirrors on them and everything yeah, like that. Yeah. It's, even though you guys were older at that point, it's still other older bands. You know, Grateful Dead had a big MTV yeah. hit. And Steve Winwood and Jefferson it's Starship and all, and all these other Phil Collins, they all adjusted. I'm surprised yeah, Slade I've, couldn't I've got, get more momentum going on MTV. I, I, I think mainly we sort of, uh, I think, uh, I've got to be quite honest, I think, I think maybe we lost our confidence. Yeah, probably. You know, yeah. and because uh, we, we worked so much in the 70s touring America mm-hmm. and nothing ever happened. And yeah. it wasn't still like with Sharon Osborne with a, the New Deal and the two with us and sadly Jim Lee went down with hepatitis. We thought it's never gonna happen. Yeah, you know, we yeah. thought there's 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 a there's a virus somewhere against us, you know, yeah. sort of thing. But uh, you know, it's uh, we always get a lot of lovely comments from people like uh, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, you know, and different people, you know. So I mean, yeah, so I mean it's yeah. one of those things. One Just, of those that's things. the way it worked out. Okay, yeah. so last question. 
Well, too late. Well, you already answered. I was going to ask you what your favorite song to play on is. Maybe it's far, far away. Is there another song that's whenever it would come up on the set list? You're like, yes, I'm ready. I kill it in this song. Is there one? Uh, um, 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 Mama, we're all crazy now, I think. Yeah, I think that you know. I remember. I always, I always, when when people ask me the, the the question you just asked me, John, it's sort of I always think back when we recorded them, you know, right. and um, it's sort of Mama, we're all crazy now. I think it was the second take. We, really, we, the we song went, we hear was the second take. Yeah, we just went in wow. and, and we, we went in, and we, and, um, and that was it. You know, That's we it. just went in. It just happened. It was just like just like that. It was just yeah. and we want to do more takes, but our record producers, no, we have it. We've got yeah. it. Yeah. Let's not labor it. We've got yeah. it. You know. Okay. And yeah. That's and, wild. And, and, and that's why I, I, I like that. And every time I hear that song, I always remember that was that was take two, you know. That's sort of crazy. You know. Crazy. Um and then okay. By the way, was there I mean, if there's no story here, we you don't have to dwell on it, but I th- I've always just thought it was amazing that Chaz Chandler, of all people, thought, I want to manage Slade. He saw enough. In- I mean, he'd just been with Jimi Hendrix, I and know. now he's he, wa- he sees potential in Slade. What a well, huge compliment to you. And he was right. Was, I mean, it paid off for a while. It, it was incredible because, I mean, we were doing this recording audition in, in London, John, and the record company guy, I always remember, was the head of the company, I always remember the name, Jack Babastock. He really liked us. And he said, I mean, we've heard since it was unheard of. He said, I'm just giving you a free time in the studio to make make an album, as it was then, make make an LP. And then he said, uh, we were just managed by some local people in our hometown, Wolverhampton. And uh, the head of the company, Jack, he said, you really need someone in London to look after you. You know, you need, you know, with a bit of punch, a bit of, you know. And we said, well, we don't know anyone. We've got no idea. And uh, and and that's he contacted his chat Chandler, you know, who, who, who came down the studio. And we thought, this is the guy who discovered Jimi Hendrix. Yes. You know, wow. <laughs> and he's, uh, we've got some great stories about Jimi Hendrix, you know. And, uh, and, and he took us on. You know, we thought it was un- unbelievable. Because the, the, the way he, he put it, John, he said, you weren't trying to be ridiculously clever you were just going and playing the songs and, and mm-hmm. no sort of thing not not particularly not thinking about them but he said you there was no long guitar solos no you know things like right. that you know yeah. and, and, and that that's what he loved 
it, 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 it worked for us. Yeah. You know, because we, we kept on asking about uh, um, stories from Jimi Hendrix. There's mm-hmm. one great story he told his story. If Please. I could say this. Yes. He said when, he, when he was about to launch Jimi Hendrix, he got together with the Jimi Hendrix experience with Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell. And he he, uh, he did like a, a press thing. But he, they were playing just this tiny club in London that probably held, held probably less than 100 people. And he invited like lots of press there, there and uh-huh. a lot of musicians. And he sat, he sat Eric Clapton right on the front row. <laughs> yeah, he sat him right, right on the front row. And apparently uh, Clapton said to Chaz after, I've got to start practicing. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and, it was, and, and that's right. I think it was also uh, Jimmy Hendrix, his first tour of the stage was on the Monkeys tour. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. You know, right. you can, and Chaz did that on, on, on purpose. He knew he'd get, get kicked off because yes. of like all the moms and moms and dads right. that children watching the monkeys and that's then right. this guy comes on. You know? That's right. That's right. Oh, that's yeah. so great. Okay. Last question. Do you have a favorite story? When you look back, you've been at this for 55 years or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. What is it? A, is it a particular show? Is it a song you're proud of? Is it interacting with some other musician that you loved? Is it a drug? Is it a groupie? What's your favorite thing when you look back and you're just like, I can't believe that happened. I'll tell you one. Um, uh, when, when I played drums with Ringo Starr's band. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that uh, the Beatles are my all time favorite. The same sure. with Ringo. And I, I managed. He was doing a show here in Denmark, you know, not not too far from where we live, John. And um, I was dealing with this drum dealer in Seattle, and he came about that Ringo was one of my favorite drummers, and he said, "Well, my friend Greg Bisanetti is playing sure. drums with Ringo's band." And he said, "I said, could he get tickets? You know, uh, leave it with me." And I came back to him with a few days. Yes, I've got your passes for the show, and it was. But like I said, not too far from here, and uh, went and we went back. Said, and like I said, I did meet Ringo before he came to one of our concerts in Los Angeles in the seventies. But we never really stopped spoke that much. But anyway, we were just like chatting. It was great. I mean, it was so nice. No ego there, nothing at all. Just just like one of the lads, John. And then he said to me, "You're going to get up on stage and play." I said, "You try, you try, and st- you try and stop me," you know. <laughs> He said, yes. he, said, he, said, he said, you can play my kick because he spends most of the time down the front singing. Mm-hmm. So, and they have Greg on stage as well with his drums. And he said, you can get up and play my drums. So the last two songs, which oh. was a little hell for my friends, and give peace a chance. Oh. And, I, and I've got the photographs to prove it, John. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Good that, for that, you. That's my, that's my ultimate. Can you imagine that? No. My, one of my all-time heroes, and the, the Beatles are my, you know, incredible. That's you know, amazing. And uh, and there I was on stage with one of my heroes. That's amazing. Yeah. Good for you, God. Good I'll for tell you. you. What I have got, if you got time, John, if you yeah. have got. I've got some pirate tapes of the Beatles. That, really. The, the, the very the very first recording sessions, and I don't know, but I, it's just amazing that these these tapes were kept running. Yeah, yeah. When we first started recording, we'd just we then just leave the tapes just for the song, and then if we made a mistake, they'd just go over it. Sure. Anyway, they kept these tapes running, and they they just play one of the one of the standard rock songs, Twenty Flight Rock, or something like. It all falls apart. 
But you can hear John Lennon saying to Paul, what are you playing? What are you doing? What are you playing? <laughs> and you can, hear, you can hear Paul say, I haven't, I haven't got my plectrum. Oh. You know, and, and, you can, and you can hear George, George Harrison say, you know, said, I haven't got my plectrum. It's in my suitcase. And you can hear, hear George oh, Harrison say, well, your suitcase was bought in ages ago <laughs> from, the van, from the van. You know, this is from the van. And to me, that it's priceless. That is just gold, right? It, it, it's just priceless. Yes. You know, sort of thing. Yes, it and, is. Uh, you know, I mean, I've got all the anthology things from the, from the Beatles. And when you think, John, which I never realized before until I saw these uh, videos, um, their career was only over about eight years. Isn't that crazy? Years. Changed the you, world in eight you, years. You think it was like 30 years. I know. It was like no. 62 to like 71. So it's about yeah. like nine years. I mean, crazy. I'm, I'm just amazing. I, I remember Chaz, who was our ex-manager and record producer. He was one of the animals, right? We found Hendrick. The Beatles and the animals used to do a lot of TV shows together. And uh, apparently he was saying that EMI was having a big celebration for this one time. They had the numbers one, two, three in the American singles charts. Mm -hmm. So they're having a big party in this TV studio. And apparently this guy from EMI came. He said, stop. This part is all wrong. He said, what, what, what? He said, you've got the top five singles in America. <laughs> and top five and seven others in the American oh, Top 20. can you they imagine? Had, they had 12 records in the oh. American Top 20. Oh, my god, That gosh. will never happen again. That will They're never looking. happen again. And, and, yeah. and you see them. You see them on, on stage in these American American stadiums, you know. Yeah. And no, no one can hear a thing. The equipment's nothing no. like it is now. Apparently, when they played Shea Stadium in New York, they used the house PA, which was like mm -hmm. small speakers around the arena that were yeah. used for the football commentary. Right. That's right. And the <laughs> organ and stuff. Yeah, that's isn't that crazy? Oh I mean, my gosh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It really is. Really is. Um, yeah, um, I had a question. Do you live near Copenhagen? Uh, about two or three hours away. Oh, okay. So you're uh, Den Denmark's, only, Denmark's only that big, John. You know, yeah, true. All these, uh, I've actually been there before. We, I okay. went to Tivoli Gardens a few times that's when it. I was Fantastic. a kid. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where my wife and children are at the moment. Really? Tivoli? Yeah, no way. <laughs> I, I, I spoke on the phone just before we made connection. That's you know, so crazy. It's, Good it's, stuff. It's my, it's, the, it's my stepdaughter's birthday. Uh, uh -huh. And so they're, they're all there with the grandkids, you know, sort of, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, my my dad, uh, We I grew up Mormon, and you know the Mormon missionaries that yeah, are out yeah, yeah. there and stuff? Yeah. My dad went on his Mormon mission to Norway, and so uh, when I was growing up, we he would take us back to Norway, Sweden, Denmark, back to Scandinavia okay. a lot to visit people and to go to Tivoli Gardens and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah, when you when I heard you lived in Denmark, I it brought back the memories of Tivoli Gardens. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's great. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same with me in Los Angeles, our very first uh, US tour. Went around uh -huh. uh, Disneyland, you know. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's not for the kids, it's for the grown-ups, you know. Kind of is. It kind I, of I, is. I felt, I felt quite proud of having my yes. photograph taken with Donald Duck, you know, things like that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you have to, you have That's great. To, you have to do it. Yes. Know? 
Well, Don, look, this was a huge honor. I love Slade so much, and I really think your new album is fun. And I'm really yeah, glad you're still out there doing it because you deserve listen, it. Listen, John, let, let's try and keep in contact here. I love I, it. I, I, really, I really appreciate your support here, my oh, friend. My you know, pleasure. It's an honor. And, and uh, I will, you know, let's keep in contact here. You know, I'd I love can, it. If it's okay with you, I can keep you up to Please. speed with anything new that's going on. Please, anytime. All right, there you have it, Don Powell, the great Don Powell. Man, Slade were magical. They were such a great band. And as I said, check out Don Powell's Occasional Flames, and the album is Just My Cup of Tea. So much fun. Now, speaking of classic rockers with a brand new first-time solo album, let's talk about Chuck Wright. Chuck was the bassist for Quiet Riot. Now, you might say, I mean, I was a little confused with this too because I know Rudy Sarzo's in there too, and he's a very accomplished bassist, so where do they work together? Where do they fit? And he makes it all clear in here. Uh, he was an on-again, off-again member of Quiet Riot for a while, and then, but he's been in the band for pretty much non-stop for a while until recently. And we talk about that too. Obviously, he had to endure the deaths of Kevin Dubrow, Frankie Benali. That As great as that band was, they just had a lot of bad luck. This song right here, Come On, Feel The Noise, was historic and uh it changed rock music in america forever from that point on well chuck has his first solo album out now as well and it's called the sheltering sky and it is in an it is an epic piece of work i love this album it is not necessarily what you would think of when you think of a solo album by someone with such a hard rock pedigree he also played in jeffria he also played in House of Lords. We talk about all those things in here, too. This album is very epic, very anthemic in scope. He called in a lot of buddies to play on the show, or play on the album, so there's a lot of guests. It is gorgeous, gorgeous stuff, so I really hope you check it out. We talk all about that in here as well. Unfortunately, due to a, like a scheduling mistake, I only ended up having Chuck for about 25 minutes. And so that's in here. But the guy has done so much. I would love to have talked about him, talked with him more. So maybe we'll have to do a part two sometime. But anyway, I just thought, I mean, come on. If we have the chance to talk to members of Slade and Quiet Riot around the same time, let's put these together and hear the whole story. So we kick this off talking about Quiet Riot covering Slade. And he called me from his home in LA. Okay, so first and foremost, I'm, Chuck, your your time with Quiet Riot in the beginning is really confusing to me because they have Rudy Sarzo, and they have you, and you're both playing bass, but you're not on Come On, Feel the Noise. You're on like mental health and a couple other things. What was the dynamic going on in Quiet Riot back then? I actually did sing on every track on the album. Um, you did, okay. Um, the backstory um, basically is uh, Rudy left the band when it was called Quiet Riot to go play with Ozzy with Randy. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, the band's name was changed to Dubrow, which was Kevin's yeah. last name. Mm -hmm. And um, I was asked to join the band at that point. And I did all the clubs, I did all the demos, and which became the mental health record. In fact, there's songs that were demos that are the actual album, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Love's a Bitch and things like that. But, um, and and then Randy is unfortunately, as we all know, was was killed in that that horrible plane crash. Right. And then at that point, Rudy just decided he wanted to come back to the band. I had my own band that was very successful in L.A. That was a prog 
kind of band called Satter, and we were packing like the Starwood. It was a famous nice. club here. Yeah, we, were pl- we were packing that place two shows a night, three days, and you know, three nights in a row. Sure. So it was like, okay, so Rudy wants. I mean, honestly, knowing the state of the music business at that time, with it being about new wave, the knack, and bands like that, you know, I didn't think really that much about well that record's going to be this huge thing i'm going to miss out on right (laughs) boy was i wrong no kidding (laughs) you know you would have never known that 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 actually the song come on feel the noise changed the course of the music fabric at that time totally um every label wanted a band like quiet ride if you had big hair and you played on the sunset strip they were going to sign you pretty much that's it created it and the band opened it changed everything i mean all, all the bands like you know like i just mentioned missing persons the motels mm-hmm. all of them mm-hmm. see you later it was now all about sunset rock bands um, that's right yeah it, it totally changed i didn't know i'd be a part of history in that regard and no. and bang your head i remember recording that particular song i was asleep on the couch said hey you're gonna do uh bang your head right now and they go oh wow really okay so i just went and i said turn it up loud i did it in one take except for the very last note because it's one mm-hmm. of those endings that just you have to watch the drummer to know the ending right right we punched, in, we punched in the ending and uh the backstory on that song i don't know if you know this or not but it was originally a, a carlos cavazo had a band called snow yeah and yeah the song was called no more boots course was no booze what's the track <laughs> no 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 right so, <laughs> so which is uh some people know that story or and some don't but it, i think it's pretty funny but kevin kevin got the idea for bang your head from talking with randy rhodes Crazy. on the phone randy called him from from london and he in and uh, randy was telling kevin i remember kevin telling me 
verbatim. He goes, he goes, yeah, Randy, Randy called me and he said that the kids over here are doing this thing called banging your head. They're all moving their head up and down to the shows. And so, uh, you know, when they're playing the music and, and um, Kevin took that idea yeah. and the idea of metal and mental health and mental health right. and put that together. And I, it's a total brilliant, brilliant. It was thing. genius. It was yeah, genius. It's a genius. And the band coming up with the, the, the mask icon. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I was going to ask all those things are, you know, helped totally help make the thing huge. And, you know, bang your head was the first single released and it mm -hmm. just did. Okay. It, it you know it did actually pretty good considering the kind of song it was, but it kind of yeah. went away. And then when they did uh, "Come On Feel the Noise" came out, it just changed everything. And then they re-released "Bang Your Head Again." It they did. Um, it's funny. I was listening to that Snow song, and uh, yeah, the the opening riff is lifted directly off that uh, uh, "No More you know Blues" what? track. Honestly, the only time I've ever heard that version was live when they were playing it. I have oh, to go really? it on YouTube. I have to go check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard you mention this in some other interview or something, and oh. I thought I didn't I didn't know that. So I yeah, yeah. checked it out. Sure enough. Well, right I don't there. want to retread too many things, but yeah, that's no, 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 a lot no. of people don't know that. Yeah. The rest of the song is different, but that opening riff is very similar. So where did the idea of the mask come from? Was that one of you guys? Um, I think that was the actual the uh the artist uh really? photographer that 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 did it. I wasn't around for that, for that part of the, uh, okay. when they're putting okay. the album, that, that video and, and album cover together at that point, Rudy had already rejoined the band. Sure. Okay. And you weren't around for the second album either. When, and, I uh, was, I was, you were, yeah. so mama, we're all crazy now. I mean, honest here what is, well, is the label saying to you guys we struck gold with no, this well, I, again i wasn't in the band they i was asked to come in to do background vocals because uh, they wanted the same sound okay right yeah and 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 i'm sitting there and kevin goes hey uh Dwayne, to the engineer put up mama and i go hey doesn't doesn't phil collins from genesis have a song called mama out right now and and then when i found out it was a slate song i go you guys are you crazy i really thought in my business opinion uh -huh. i thought it was a bad idea because i thought they were just getting written off you know sure. doing another slave thing and the song did pretty good but at the same time it kind of hurt their credibility yeah, as did. artists yeah um and, which is really too bad and, and with come on feel the noise i i was sitting there with uh, spencer proffer the uh the producer and he brought the song in, and it was just the three of us with kevin and kevin was just so against doing that song he doesn't want to do really? any outside material and and i i argued with spencer i said i said kevin look we don't really have a, a commercial type song we need something try to imagine the song being done like queen with a lot of harmonies That's and it. 
and guitars and maybe put some keyboards in there. But yeah. you know, we could make it make it cool. So we kind of convinced him to do it at that point. Yeah. But you were talking about condition critical. I I actually ended up going in and they asked me to replace uh, a bass part um, on the album mm. uh, that apparently wasn't executed to their liking. So I okay. they asked me to do that and I I redid that and I put I did some other bass work on the album. But mainly the song Born to Rock, I'm playing bass on that. And oh, nice. Yeah, I'm okay. on the whole album too. Okay, and then that I'm third on, I album. I think I'm on nine albums with Quiet Riot. Totally. Are you? That's what I was thinking too. It's uh, and sometimes it's the whole album. Sometimes it's a piece here and there. Yeah. Um, what was the what was lending to the instability? Were you, I mean, you're also in Jafria and then House of Lords, and there's all these other things going on. Is it? Are you just? Is that how you like to work, or were you kind of going to to whatever well, each, was? Each situation has its own backstory. Yeah, I bet. You know, um, I left. I sure. Yeah, I I was asked to do the Jafria record, which we had a big hit and did sold out tours with Foreigner and Deep Purple when they reun. You know, when Deep Purple got back together, my yeah. first experience touring is sold out arenas. Boy, was I spoiled! Oh, right, Call to the anyway, Heart is such a good it, song too, and that's a big yeah. Hit. Dave Isley sang his ass off on that. a problem with the band and the reason goldie craig goldie the guitar player mm -hmm. and i both left is uh great jafria and dave isley told us okay we're gonna do a new record but we're the only writers they would not let mm -hmm. us write music and that i was mm -hmm. just, i mean i wrote all the music for my band and i'm yeah. going and, and you've heard my new album so you know i'm a songwriter. yes absolutely so 
So I just, you know, both Goldie and I just said, okay, we're out. So he joined Dio and then I rejoined Quiet Riot. Kevin mm -hmm. called me up and he said, Rudy's leaving. Do you want to be in the band? And I said, hell yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember I went to Japan with Jeffrey. And at that point I knew I was leaving the band, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, okay. That's kind of what, that's kind of how that happened. And then yeah. Kevin got, was, you know, unfortunately we got, had a lot of pressure to, to by the, from the record label management that Kevin had to go because of his big mouth and caused this problem or that problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the face of quite right as far as I was concerned, but I kind right. of went along with it and we, we let him go and then things really got messy. Then I quit. I just go, this yeah. is not going to work with the new situation. So I left that and, and, uh, did an impellatory record with Graham Bonnet. Mm -hmm. And then at that Graham's point, been on here. He's great. Yeah. Grant, he's, well, he's my neighbor. He lives a few blocks away. Anyway. Really? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, at that point, I got a call from Greg Jafria again mm -hmm. saying, Hey, would, would you like, I have a record deal with Gene Simmons. Um, if you, do you want to put a band together? And I said, well, as long as I can write this time. And he said, Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody's going to be involved in writing. So I knew about this singer named James Christian from this band I was working with called eyes, pulled mm -hmm. him in. We saw Ken Mary with Alice Cooper. I go, I'm watching Alice Cooper's get, getting heads cut off, right? His head mm -hmm. cut off, but I'm watching the drummer. Mm -hmm. And I go, we got to get that drummer. So we got a hold of him and got him into the band. Nice. And, uh, Lanny Cordola, who's my one of my closest friends and who's on my new album uh, on a few tracks. Uh, he was a part of the Jafria record. I wasn't a part of the second Jafria record. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, so, so Greg brought him in and that's how the first House of Lords thing happened. It's so good. That first House of Lords album, especially. Is yeah, so I think good. it's it's a well-written album. It's perfect for the era. My big perfect for the era. That's the big, yeah, good way of saying I, it. The issue I have with it is that Andy Johns, who was our producer engineer, co-producer, mm -hmm. I should say, and he's you know he's done Zeppelin and I mean yeah. he actually was a tape operator on 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 Hendrix's uh, uh, Electric Light. Uh, what's that? Ladyland. Uh, Electric yeah. Ladyland. Um, I mean that's when he started. And he, he, you know, the stones on and on and on. Glenn's but he, his actually, dad. Yeah. he actually said to me when we were sitting down to mix, he goes, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to mix. And sure enough, that record is just got, it's just so much reverb. And I, I uh, wish we could get those masters and mix it properly. Um, that would make me very happy. But I think yeah. the songwriting and the, the musicianship 
lyrics, etc., stand up. Um, it's a really great debut album, I think. I think so too. It, like you, you said it best. Uh, for the era, it's a really strong record, yeah, yeah. and it showcases the synths that were, you know, landmarks yeah. of Jafria, and it's heavy right. guitar. It's tuneful. It's great. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple more quick, quick questions, then I want to move on to Sheltering Sky. Number one, I mean, how, was Kevin just? Could he be a nightmare to deal with? I mean, he died basically of an accidental drug overdose. Those dr- the cocaine just could never leave him completely. And you get well, the impression. I, that I didn't he- know he was still doing it. He actually oh, really? he listened to the amount of things. You know, his brother's a doctor. Oh. Terry, you've seen him on TV show with his his uh his um anyway, he mm. he said that it wasn't the amount, is that the combination of yeah. barbiturates, yeah. cocaine, I um, see that alcohol and, and 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 other things that were in his system that actually killed him and you know he was gone a week before he was found yeah yeah he was supposed to have thanksgiving with, with he's supposed to have thanksgiving with glenn hughes and that's it he never showed up never called anybody everybody's freaked out so we sent a um a, a friend that's uh, you know from the fire department over there and, and he was able to to get in and figure out that mm-hmm. you know kevin was passed and it was yeah. you know totally changed everything it was like what yeah so yeah. three-year hiatus, you know, I was surprised. Did you get along with him okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, always. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, Kevin, uh, the thing that people need to know is that a lot of people think that fame changed Kevin and he became pompous and mm. all of these things. But he was always like that. I could see that. <laughs> he always had that personality, you know? Yeah. And yeah. he was really, really, really bummed him out that, that Randy left him, yeah. you know? And, um, it, it, that, that always stuck with him and he always kind of had a chip on his shoulder and then he thought everybody was writing his coattails, you know, with all these bands. I mean, he, right. I think that, I think that if he would have been humble and mm. appreciative of the fact that he had this huge success in the face of new wave music mm-hmm. that, and that the band would have had a, a, a much bigger career, it could have been as big as Motley Crue is now or whoever, Yeah, if they yeah. just would have kept it, you know, favorable instead of. Every, you know, if you like that band, you can't like us kind of thing, which was right. really, really bad. I mean, I knew we were in trouble when I rejoined the band. I opened up a hit parader and it had a, 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 a dark target with Kevin's face on it. I mean, Ooh. Uh, yeah, oh. you know, but anyway, oh, no. so that's that it's, it's okay. all history, you know, yeah. it's, it's in my past along with, let's see, I've done over a hundred albums and I've been in a few other bands. Absolutely. So many, I was trying to catch up on many of them to even get ready to talk to you. And it's overwhelming. Last question about Frankie too. I mean, it's, it had to have been hard enough to carry on quiet riot one without Carlos, then without Kevin, then without Frankie. And, but you were still doing it until a year ago. How was that when it's, when you're kind of the one carrying the torch, is it Randy, is it Rudy out there doing it now too? Well, no, Rudy. Yeah. See, the thing is, is I, I was asked to step aside so, okay. that, Rudy, so that Rudy, Rudy wanted to uh, and I was asked to step aside and I had my solo record coming out mm-hmm. and I, you know, and honestly I was over the kind of traveling we were doing with okay. the flyouts, the early flights. So physically yeah. it was just, uh, you know, I was just kind of over that kind of routine. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he came back and they're doing good, which is great. Wow. Um, but, yeah, it is odd. It felt really, really, I mean, for both me and Frankie um, and Alex, actually, um, yeah, it was really tough when we started back and not having Kevin in front of the band. I bet. And and, and I just knew it, it killed Frankie the most because they were so, they yeah. were so tight. You know? Exactly. 
Exactly. Okay, let's talk about the new album because I absolutely love it. And there is, I, I think, I have a feeling you've been hearing this a lot, Chuck. I don't think anyone would have guessed that this is the kind of album that Chuck Wright would make when he finally made a solo album. It's tuneful, it's orchestrated, it's broad, it's grand and epic. There's some darkness, but there's a lot of lightness too. There's some prog elements, but it's also really poppy in some spots. What? Not to mention, there seems to be a little bit of a theme here of death or the end of something. I mean, there's the other side, there's giving up the ghost, there's time waits for no one. That's my favorite song, by the way. So there seems to be kind of this theme of like things coming well, to an end. That's you got to realize that I, I composed the majority of this music during the pandemic, mm. which is a really dark period of uh, sure. Uh, all of us. Know, and I, I basically tried to take a, a negative thing and then turn it into a positive. The, some of the songs, there are two that you mentioned. Um, I wrote, see you on the other side in one city. got the phone call that Frankie died. Ugh. I sat down, felt string. All at one time it came. Oh. 
Yeah. And um, then um, it's gorgeous, by the way. Yeah, yeah. What a so fantastic basically, tribute! But to it's him. a song of it's a song of hope. Yeah, you know? yeah. We hope we and 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 the song "Time Waits for No One." Yeah, I got a. Um, and this was originally supposed to be an instrumental um, bass where the vocal falls is with there was bass only, really? and which if you listen to the album, there's two instrumentals on it. Yep. But that was going to be an instrumental, and I got a call about. The first speaking of drummers again um the first drummer in my high school band passed away so i wrote that oh lyric so that's where the darkness comes from I think. you and must have been dealing family. with a I've lot of stuff some, yeah how many of my best friends and family and yeah if you look at the album cover glenn wexler did it's it's a fan it's just amazing piece and you, it you is work from van halen and kiss and all these other rush yeah um, he's one of my best friends he basically proposed this as it's a vulture rising out of desolation into an um, as an eclipses ending. So yeah. it's, so it's pretty heavy. I love it. I absolutely love it. I wanted to ask you too, um, Pat Torpy, the late great Pat yeah. Torpy, who passed on like four years ago, is on a couple of these songs, including "Army of Me." such an odd cover but yet it makes so much sense for you to do this bjork song well how did this even work getting him well, in there here's here's the thing with the, there's three songs on the album that that pat and lanny appear on um lanny would have been on more but he was in afghanistan uh with his his school there and then you know what happened with afghanistan mm -hmm. but anyway um i was looking for some files music files and i came across some tracks that were never finished that I did with Pat and Lanny. Mm -hmm. And I go, these kick ass. And I wanted yeah. to honor Pat and finish them. So one of the things we jammed on, we were all just in the studio and we started playing the riff of, of uh, Army of Me, the Bjork song. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's record this. So we recorded it. it I'm not even playing the bass part right. It's a no different, way. but I, it's got such a good feel. I didn't want to rechange anything. And I kept... The integrity of of what we had as the basic track together and then i just overdubbed it i found whitney ty who's the singer on three of my uh songs and she co-wrote time waits for no one uh, i found her uh through my event that i've been doing since 2015 okay Gemini, where i organized between 45 and up to 100 professional musicians it was weekly then bi-weekly now we're on hiatus but um I found her and I contacted her and I said, Hey, I've got this Bjork song. I think you'd be great for it. And now we're super close friends. Good. 
collaborators and I love her, her solo stuff. Um, and I didn't know her and her, every, all the other bigger names come out in a lot of the press that you read for the album. I wasn't yeah. sure who it was that was even singing all of these and she is fantastic. I got to look is. her up. Whitney Ty. Whitney Ty. Yeah. You should check yeah. out her last, her last solo album. Okay. It, it's called Apogee. It's, it's amazing. I'll do it. Um, and yeah. And, and, um, her partner, Tim Jansen's, um, he actually, um, co-produced some of the songs with me and he's an award-winning mm -hmm. film composer. So, that lends itself to the cinematicness of Got it. Cinema, that's the perfect word, cinematic. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Is that, if that even is a word, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's it. It has a cinematic feel, definitely. It and really does. The album's really deep. It's really eclectic. It's very diverse. I love and it. I have 41 of my friends, guest performers on it, and there, a lot of them are from bands you'd know, like Skid Row in Asia. Sure. And, uh, you know, Mr. Big, as we mentioned, on and on. Yeah. Um, and, and they're all really great people. And everybody, I, you know how it happened. I just said, Hey, I'm working on this song. Do you want to play on it? Yeah. And they go, this is great. Yes. That's amazing. Somebody uh, said, speaking, how much you pay me? It's <laughs> <laughs> yes. a good thing. So speaking of incredible vocalists, Jeff Scott Soto's on there and that guy can sing anything. And at his heart, I believe he's more of like a, even an R and B singer than he anything is. Else. And that's why, you know what? I know that about Jeff. We're really good. Friends. Really? Really? We, we worked together on the eyes record back. I mean, I've known oh. since his, his 34 year old son was like one. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, so I've known him a long time and yeah. I know that he loves doing R and B. I he yeah. just loves that stuff. I've seen him do the, the Boogie Nights thing. And I have this track and I go, you know what? I need somebody really soulful. And I, and Jeff did it. He I said, I asked him, hey, you want to check out this song? Here's how the vocals go. Because the vocals and lyrics were done. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, I'd love to do it. Three hours later, I got it back. I wouldn't change a thing. He's brilliant. He is brilliant. And you know, he's on a lot of people's records. But, you know, oh, yeah. he's that good. He can be. He yeah. can, and that song is way different than than what he did with with uh trans-siberian orchestra or yeah. his solo stuff it's nothing like that isn't that the same song that has uh scotty from skid row doing the guitar solo on it well he did I, it I never had, fails i asked scotty um if he'd like to play on it and he did a killer solo middle but i wanted to keep it a little bit uh, more modern sounding mm. and mm. so i so i had um some lap steel put on by a friend of mine that plays in a pink floyd band Ooh. i wanted that kind of pink floyd vibe yeah um, you know ramp up and trippy and not just be okay here's a rock although scotty's great and his soul is great he's doing some 
weird sounds and things in the beginning of the the song. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I've known him along. Obviously, we with Quiet Riot, we've done a lot of skid, shows with Skid Row. And right. He's come down to do my jam a few times too. Okay. Um, is Whitney also singing Cradle of the Sun? No. That's okay. I didn't think so because it sounds like a like a black soul singer no, that's, singing that song. That's a singer I know named Shelly Bonet, who okay. actually lives in Florida, but she's she comes out here often. She was on Mitch Perry's uh, latest solo oh. album, um, and Mitch is on my album too. But um, okay. yeah, I had what what it was is I I had the song written on acoustic guitar, and it kind of had the campfire. Robert Plant, Allison Cross vibe, right? So mm -hmm. I decided mm -hmm. that I wanted to to do it as a duet and do kind of a gospel -y type choir. Yes, choir. that's it. And I had that chorus in my head, the Lorelei. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, after the record was out, somebody contacted me. They go, that's so clever that you came up with Lorelei. And I go, why is that? And they go, because it's Lorelei is the name of, of the mermaid that was calling ships to crash um, no on the rocks in, in, in Germany in the, on the Thames. Yeah, it's like... yeah. I looked it up on Wikipedia and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> you would think that I would have, yeah, it just came to me, that chorus. Yeah. And I worked out the verses with August Young, who was in Frankie's uh, Zep cover band. He's on two okay. songs on the album. Nice. And that's why I went to him for See You on the Other Side. I've got everybody from Frankie's uh, Zeppelin band on that song. On that's Perfect. great. Oh, smart. And, yeah, it was initially. Genius. Well, the song was initially, you know, it came from that feeling that I had after finding out that Frankie passed. I also thought about all my friends and my mom and everybody else, sure. but it was initiated by that phone call. And yeah. I just wanted to include people that loved him. So, yeah, well, it's a beautiful record. I'm I don't know how, what you're going to do with it because it's so grand. Are you going to be able to play this out? So, Are you going to be able I to mean, tour it or what? I've been asked obviously every, every interview I've done, people sure. say, you're going to do, well, you know what? If I had Roger Waters budget, I could do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like right, right. there's there's yeah. so many uh, instruments and sounds oh. and and to really represent it properly, it would take quite a bit to be able to pull it off. I did think about it. I go, there's no way I would be doing the music a disservice. I think if I tried to half-ass it. So you know, it is what it is. My my goal and one simple goal with this record and that's just i just want people to hear it because i totally agree 100 percent has gone there's 100 percent of anybody that's listened to songs yes. off this record have, have had a positive response to it and it's just a matter of you know 
people hearing it, like yeah. talking with you and, and, your, it is. and your fans and people out there. Hey, check it out. You know, just listen to a couple songs. Check out, go to YouTube. You can listen for free. I'm not even mm-hmm. trying to make, you know, it's, this is not sure. money for me. No, it, but I this mean, deserves records to be don't make money more. No, I know. But something this powerful and, and surprising, I keep coming back to that. It's not the thing that you would think this right. heavy metal guy would put it would put out but it deserves to be heard and frankly it deserves to be heard in one piece i mean yeah there are songs you can play on the radio in a fair just world but it's a piece of work from beginning to end yeah. it's like it a sounds like a concept album I, yes I know. you know yes. uh, you were, uh, if people really know my background which some people really do they might know that i produced an ambient trance record and played um, i produced two reggae records i've done all kinds of different styles throughout my career and and I like, if it's really good music, I like it. You know, it's true. I'm like, true. I'm not just a rock guy. I don't even true. listen. To, I listen to Sting when I'm at home. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know I don't put on AC. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Uh, yeah. um, well, Chuck, look, I think it's a masterful piece of work and I hope everyone gets to hear it. And I'm glad that I get to share it with my listeners and just share your story. It's fascinating. I wish we could have gone longer, but thanks for talking with me. Hey, thank you. I look forward to uh, listening back. All right. There you have it. Chuck Wright. I love sheltering sky folks. Please go check it out again. It is not what you would think of. It reminds me a little bit, maybe of muse or trans Siberian orchestra, even, or just something that's so grand in its scope like that and big and dramatic. That's what this album reminds me of. It's really, really worth your time. I want to close it out. We didn't get as deep into the third Quiet Riot album, which Chuck came back for. It's just called QR3. This is The Wild and The Young from that album. It's a fun album. It's got synthesizers all over it, so it doesn't really sound like the Quiet Riot you're used to. It sounds like what a lot of hair metal was starting to sound like at that era, uh, at that period, but it is really a fun album. I like it a lot. Now, next week's guest is a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, This person has written a lot of songs, especially two or three that have sold like bajillions. And so it's a really, really fun conversation with a really, really decent human being about their, you know, success as a songwriter. In fact, what's weird is uh, Dawn is like the last UK guest we have on the horizon for the next little while. And everybody that's coming up, I would say primarily would probably be well, not all of them, but there's a lot of just songwriters coming up. People who either write for themselves, write for other people, uh, wrote for other people, had success, and therefore started writing for themselves. Whatever it might be, that's what's coming up, okay? And uh, most of them are based in the U.S. Anyway, uh, huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man. Thanks, buddy, for everything. You guys can like our page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Uh, me, Yan, and Andy are hopefully getting together this weekend to record a recap. Um, if you want to submit questions or comments or whatever, send them over to us before, I don't know, Sunday morning, and uh, we'll try and include them. I hope that's what's going on this weekend. Anyway, thanks everybody. We love you. <laughs>